beginning our practice, one thing we can notice is this natural factor of Nirodha has cleared all of yesterday. Everything we experienced is actually not even stored anywhere. We have a complete relief of not having to carry around yesterday. We can access it through memory if that's helpful or thinking about anything. And we also could feel the weightlessness, the lightness that yesterday has already passed without even a little remainder of yesterday that we have to contend with. Then with faith and orientation, we can relax and trust that just an in-breath is enough and just an out-breath is enough. Either that will be directly pleasant, the mind will rest, it might take a little bit of work, Or we all have to, at times, breathe in and out while challenges come. When our energy is not so even, our minds are resistant. But in all those cases, there will be an in-breath and there will be an out-breath. We follow our in-breath and out-breath or whatever central meditation practice we're dedicated to. And it doesn't even matter what comes up. We'll flow through the day with this refuge of breathing in, breathing out. And so with that invitation, allowing our bodies to be at ease, allowing any unconscious holding patterns, the invitation to relax, and for a moment seeing what it's like just to settle down again. We let simple in-breaths be in-breaths, out-breaths be out-breaths. And to practice relaxing and letting go.
Often when our minds are relaxed and at ease, our bodies are also relaxed and at ease. But if you're finding ease within your breathing practice, it's simple just to stay with that. If you find that you're having to carefully attend the breath, as there might be a little agitation in your system, every now and then you can open up the aperture of your mindfulness to see that your in and out breathings are happening inside this animal body. Become aware of your body. And then invite your body to let go of any stressful or overly active habits. Certain holding patterns that keep us from relaxing the body as well as the mind. the very way that we breathe in and out, along with letting go, invites anything that's overly active to relax. So we invite the body to relax while breathing, the mind to relax while breathing. A breath is an ally. calming whatever is agitated. Our breath can be an ally, no matter what's happening. 
you're welcome to stay with this basis and not rush onto any new topics. Just letting in-breaths be in-breaths, out-breaths be out-breaths. The spirit of relaxation, presence, and letting go or not holding on to anything. And also use the breath as a basis to watch and experience the arising and passing of experience. So right in the breath itself, there's an arising, an in-breath. There's a passing of an out-breath a new, fresh arising, a new, complete letting go. So by staying relaxed, just with the samadhi of the breathing we're already practicing, you might look at the breath See, freshly arising, freshly arising. You're developing the samadhi of breathing and also an awareness of impermanence. This breath is dynamic. That's why there is life. We don't keep in-breaths, we let them go to make room for new in-breaths. Stay with this until you feel some peace in the naturalness that there is a rising and passing. We actually can relax and trust this. This is how all breaths work. So to be intimate with the breath. Constant stream of freshly arising experiences. Yet none of them are kept. They're all equally let go make room for other freshly arising experiences.
whenever this is scattering to your attention, it's skillful to come back and orient towards your breath, your body, the reliability of the breath, reliability of the body. They're always found in the present moment. They can relax. They're a kind of home base. experience of sound, especially in a relatively quiet place, also has this quality. It can be soothing, relaxing to listen to the general sense of silence. And yet there are sounds that arise and pass. They're so clean in their arising, and they're so clean in their passing. So staying open to sounds, maybe in the background supported by your breath and body. This is another sense door that can both be soothing and can show us the freshness the immediacy of sound, and then the quickness in which it disappears without remainder.
And then whenever you feel your attention dispersed, you can bring it back to where you cultivate your own home base of in and out breathing, body awareness, sound if that's your home base. Let your in and out breathing align you with what's happening right now. You can acknowledge how your body is feeling, any moods or mental states. any cognitive activity, breathing in and out in the middle of it all. Gently inviting letting go. Inviting a more simple attention, more fully on, breathing in and breathing out.
So that is an example of how you might do that intentionally. To use samadhi as a basis. Collect, balance. Your mind has some hindrances. You might find that the breathing is a good way to not suffer in those hindrances. Recollect, but maybe at times when the breathing in and out feels more intuitive, you can stay with that. You can also begin to look at some other aspects in the flow of your experience. And that's where you might take interest in the transient nature of what you're sensing in your breath, in your body, what you're hearing. Then when we go out walking, even more so to have your other senses open to the transient nature of light. It's very immediate. What you're seeing, and yet the light is changing through the day, the receptivity of how we're taking in light in that equation, there's a lot of subtle nuance. It's a little harder to see in seeing if there isn't motion in what you're seeing. But it still is a freshly arising experience that doesn't get in the way of the next freshly arising experience. <clears throat> One way to think about this, and this helps, is that you might uh, hike a lot of gear up to a lake with your food and your tent, and that becomes your base camp. And then from there you can do other heights, but you just bring a day pack because you know that there's a base camp you can return to. So sometimes you are so in love with the lake and the base camp you don't need to go on day hikes. But sometimes you get curious about getting to know the whole ecosystem. You go out on a day hike and come back. So having the breath and the body be this sort of base camp and you can stay there and then you can also go for little hikes out to say, am I hearing fresh sounds? Sound is kind of soothing. Ah, oh, but there's that sound. It was jarring. How could I relate to hearing so that it's soothing? But then see, really clean. No cough lasts forever. No crack of somebody else's uh, knuckles lasts forever. No pops somebody adjusting their body in the creak of the chair. So immediately, and then back to the silence. If you look around, who's so cleanly taking these things away? That's their nature. Sounds. And so then you're out there and you feel like, okay, I'm, it was fun. Now I'm a little dispersed run out of water, run out of energy for this. I'm going to go back to base camp. Oh, this is so beautiful. I could also stay here a while, just breathing in, breathing out. Then maybe it's another sense door that you take a, a look at. Or you can notice arising and passing right in the experience in the base camp of breathing. So that's a model that you could play with. Any questions about this? Yeah, so we have two back there down the center aisle. It's not really a question, but it, I guess I could make it a question. I just, um, you know, that 14th step, it's um, always, um, I thought, uh, called dispassion and that never worked for me and then um, I kind of changed it to disenchantment and that was sort of okay but this no agitation is pure genius and I don't know so here's my question how did you come to that that is thank you <laughs> I experience that I still felt there were passions so then what was it? But you'll see that many people, that translation might work for you. It works for me a little better. So, uh, And I think the reason you might 
find a genius is that it lines up with your experience. So then the genius is not in the word I chose, but your own insight and how that works for you, that there is a lack of agitation presence, but you're not being agitated by old forces. Hi. Um, you sort of already answered this, but I want to ask it again to be specific. Especially um, arising. Yeah, exactly. I woke up with a burning question about <clears throat> now that we've built the the boat, I mean, the, the engine, and we have the glasses and the tone arm and all the metaphors are in place. <laughs> Got a record player on it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, With binoculars. I, I've, I've. <laughs> the question is: Is there a place once the? What do we do with all of this machinery? <laughs> <laughs> once. So it's established, and then really the question is, what I find most releasing and liberating and peaceful and soothing and wonderful about the practice is the place of open presence. Just the sort of miracle of the knowing without center, in a way, without self. And sometimes I find I get bogged down and selfed up with the manipulation. And yet you need a little at the beginning. So the question is, is it, am I doing two things at once to be resting in presence? Is that a day trip or am I still at base camp? Because <laughs> that's where I like to be is, yeah. or where I find myself is in the place of pure knowing yeah. Using the and the strength that I've built up in the last ten days is I never had it. So what do I do with it? Thank you. I, well, you a number of things, and one the simplest thing that inspires you is usually the best. As in, you're not looking through binoculars, playing a record on a boat. <laughs> one thing that you'll notice, and if you work with teachers on this, is that uh, that presence and that awareness, we all love that. And why doesn't it stay? Why does it decay? We know how to cultivate it, but it doesn't, like how do you make that become permanent? And that's where you have to then do some work <clears throat> to look at views that we don't know we even have that are actually the seeds or the ground of where future non-happiness comes from. So you say there's this beautiful lack of self and that there still may be subtle layers. So one, you can inquire about self and then you are doing even a new base camp, a new, whole new thing. It's just in that base camp experience, are there veils of selfing? Is there, a, is there a loving it so much that there is a little, like uh, putting stakes down around your tent, like, okay, I really want to stay here, and wanting to stay there, even though it's good and well-intended, it actually begins to undermine why that experience is arising. And so then you look at the three characteristics of even that knowing space, that it's conditional, and if I let it be conditional, it supports it. So by trying to make it not conditional, you actually start undermining it. And strangely enough, if you let it be conditional and you tend the conditions, it's more likely to happen. And then when it decays, as you get a cold or you get upsetting news, then you don't uh, have a wrong view around it ends up being a bit more like a base camp because it doesn't solve your aging. It doesn't solve your dying. It doesn't solve the aging and dying of others. But it is a beautiful way 
to calm. And then if you have opened up to where our dukkha comes from, not just because there's a perfect refuge where my cell phone doesn't work, I'm always happy there. That's a seclusion freedom. And if it decays when you leave that, then we start saying, why does it decay? And some of it's very immediate, but some of it's subtle. And the subtlety of why it decays and why you can't bring it home as easily is that still there's a mind looking for permanence. There's a mind trying to make that experience permanent. And it can even be really beautifully well-intended. It's not trying to harm anybody, but the, the liking of it then trying to purchase it and then trying to stabilize it and then fearing going home <clears throat> is a setup for why it doesn't come home with us very easily. But if you can recognize, I know how to do this in more conditions by breathing in the middle of them, accepting them, you're more likely to find this presence in places you couldn't imagine it could come. So that's why it's both a beautiful place to go and why just going there over and over doesn't ever make it more accessible. You have to look at why the mind uh, doesn't can't access it in other times. And that's usually supported by our misunderstandings that are usually unconscious, that there's still an assumption of self, still an assumption of this is what the happiness is about. Um, so then you work with teachers who know how to use the beauty of that and then use it as a, as a stepping process into getting out the views that feel fairly benign when you're in that much well-being, but they actually are the soil for why that erodes and why we struggle again. And that was the Buddha's insight, why samadhi alone is only as good as when there's samadhi. And now one more. I hope that I can describe my question well. <laughs> um, so the sort of journey of my retreat experience has been, there will be like a substantial level of collectedness um, focused on my object. And then a hindrance will come and um, I'll have a period of hindrance attack kind of thing. And it, it's happened a couple times and I'm kind of wondering is there something to, is there some wisdom and something helpful in the idea that like, it, what feels like is happening is the intensity of the concentration or the you know collectedness is actually like, it's almost like the needle is moving from my object to the hindrance. And the amount of collectedness is actually like spinning around in the hindrance, making the hindrance kind of amped up, you know, more than it would be otherwise. And I'm wondering, how, how can I get wisdom from that uh, fact? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, you described that well. And uh, that's <clears throat> the journey of almost everybody in the room, <clears throat> is that um, as our minds collect, they do become a little bit more powerful, like scattered light versus focused light is more powerful. But then the consequences of balancing it are necessary. Otherwise, the collected light, when it's not balanced, uh, is felt even more uh, oppressive as sleepiness or restlessness. So then, looking into your own mind stream, often the question is, uh, every list that the Buddha gives should be a harmonized choir. And so looking at those five jhana factors, if you're, when they're balanced, it's very hard for the hindrances to arise. But if one of them is much stronger than the other, that's where the imbalance will usually come in. So having a lot less sukha when I was practicing meant that I, that's the way I would go imbalanced. I would start agitating, try to overcome it, and then I would get a lot of agitation. So that's one way is sort of looking at the list and see, am I balancing these factors? 
Another really good harmonizing factor, much like mindfulness, two of them is patience and faith. And they go together. And I find, I find that when I have patience and faith, there's another type of support that's happening in my practice so that when I slide off, I don't tumble off into the hindrances as much. And so when I wasn't very patient and I didn't have a more heart-based faith, then I was easily thrown off by a speed bump hindrance and it would keep agitating and I would, it was very hard to get it back together. But I found that faith, faith and samadhi are a beautiful way to calm a nervous system and almost puts like a good base under because whatever's happening, there's faith support. And then patient support is also really helpful. So they're not specifically jhana factors, but I find that if I'm really patient and if there's faith, I go through hindrances, but they tend not to be as agitating because they are more spacious. They make my effort much more even as opposed to surging. Uh, they lead to, uh, they support balance. Um, so one thing to look at is uh, dialogue with the teacher or your own mindfulness. Are the five jhana factors feeling balanced or by predilection is one outpacing the others? A lot of sukha and you'll become sleepy. A lot of yakavichara and there's sort of a work ethic but it's kind of agitating. A lot of PT that's stronger than the others becomes hard to contain energy. So then it's like, oh, that's my trend. Like, now I got all five. Great, that might mean that you're balanced. <laughs> if you're balanced, you'll kind of not have a, a one way that the hindrances come. So there might be some information in which particular hindrance comes. That's looking at the five jhana factors and seeing are they harmonized? Are they all growing strong? Do I need to cultivate? them so they do uh, appear more balanced and working together. And then all of us having more faith and patience uh, would be a great multivitamin for all of us. <laughs> sorry, I have to stop. No, so sorry about that. No, yeah, sorry for the lack of time. Would love to hear your question. So uh, several things to say about today. Um, it is our last full practice day together, but it is a day of practice. So we have to work with the mind that's going to spill out and get a little bit um, drawn into, because the day has changed some and because tomorrow there's a change, I don't have to practice or I can't practice. And that's just not true. Your breath can be an ally through everything that comes today. So it's just more experiences to practice through. The schedule is the same uh, up until the first uh, connection after lunch. And it's the same from the dinner meal onward. But the afternoon is different. It'll take place here in this hall. We have to all attend, or you all have to attend. Uh, so the, that will be posted on the, on the bulletin board. Starts at the same time, ends at the same time but it's a collective activity we need to do at this time of the retreat. Oh yeah, I forgot, today is Tuesday, <laughs> if that's helpful. So the schedule changes, it's posted. The simple thing is you just come, and then once you're in the room, you'll be guided through it. Um, and please have practice integrity for yourself but also we need to have collective practice integrity that if just 10% of people feel like, ah, why well, practice today? I'm just going to take this last day. And that energy affects the common field. So if we all have integrity, we all get to create a field and use this as a beautiful day to practice everything we've been learning with slightly different energies because of the afternoon but you'll, you have the momentum to make it a practice day. And then take this out into your walking practice. 
that you find the same grounding you had before, the same ways of being present, the same ways of coming to presence. And then you might just introduce that, what is freshly arising in this moment, and then find that you're very present and it's delightful to see the fresh arising. And then see if you're okay with the fact that nothing that freshly arises ends up staying. It ends up being a fresh arising, a fresh letting go, a fresh arising, a fresh letting go. See if you can do that in the walking and all the sits and all the activities of the day. So that's our task.